My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Transformers! Decepticons! Transform and rise up! Calling Autobots! Calling Autobots! This is a battle protocol! Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Hey folks, and welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fan hole spinoff show where we talk Transformers every time and all the time. I'm Mike, and uh, joining me tonight is... Hey, what's up? Get your own turbo pliers, microbrain. This is Derek, <laughs> Derek WC. I will rule the universe, even if I am the only one left in the universe! If you haven't, for some reason, read the summary or title of this episode before you clicked on it, uh, we are talking about the Underbase saga in this episode. Uh, the the four-issue, uh, well, I guess it's, it's I want to say it's like Bob Budiansky's like magnum opus almost, but it's, you know, it's he, he just needed a, like, you know, big story to, like, cap off a run of stories and uh i guess like you know it might be his uh, uh, out of all like his uh transformers like material it might be his like biggest and most ambitious saga i guess i mean like he doesn't really he did a lot of like done in ones and maybe like there'd be a through line through them but like the thunder base saga is really kind of the first time he like you know did a multi-part like big like event i guess but yeah like it, it ran through uh, uh issues 47 through 50 in the marvel in the original marvel comic it started in august of 1988 and ran through november and uh yeah bob budiansky obviously wrote it uh jose delbo drew all four pay, uh all four issues uh nell yamtoff colored all four issues and uh on alternating inks on each issue was uh danny Bulandi, yeah and uh dave hunt so uh like what I probably have a completely different frame of reference than you for these four issues. So what is your history with the Underbase saga? I, I was reading Transformers. I it was it was nineteen eighty-eight, so I I was I was already buying comics mostly at comic book specialty shops. I mean, you know, I, I, I still have spinner rack comics that, you know, I got off newsstands, you know, almost as far into when I was going to college at Loyola Marymount and stuff like that, where, you know, occasionally I would still get get something from a newsstand or a vendor or a news agent or a spinner rack or whatever. But, I mean, by 1988, like, I, you know, I had discovered comic book specialty shops and back issue bins and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, my distinct memory is the, the these issues are decidedly not, spinner rack issues right like they 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 were like fresh off the press you know on the the racks at the local comic shop i probably bought these from the now long 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 defunct uh comic zone in fremont like i always get sad because every time i drive past where that used to be i think now it's like a bunch of apartment complexes or something like that like that the the building 
you know, that was the 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 home of of Comic Zone doesn't even really exist anymore. Like it's a, it's totally like bulldozed away, and now it's just a bunch of apartment complexes or whatever. But the th- that store was the the closest local comic shop that eventually you know was you know like like I guess you know I I've told stories before where. There were comic shops I went to in, you know, San Leandro and other places where the attitude was kind of like, okay, get what you want because we're we're not coming back here on a regular basis. But because Comic Zone was in Fremont and that was close by, like that that was the go to place to to get comics on a weekly basis. Or you know, I I don't think I got to go every week. It was like I think I was lucky if I got to go, you know, once a month or something like that. But but yeah, when when these were out. Um, I picked them up off the stands. I'm trying to remember. Are, 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 let me maybe I need to reference this with like Mike's Amazing World or something. But I feel like maybe these were one of those ones that came out like bi-weekly or something. Unless I'm mistaken. Like I, I feel like it actually came out in the summer. But but maybe I'm misremembering that because that that's what these feel like to me. But maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Oh, that's weird. Oh, okay. So, so it did come out in August. Okay, okay. So, but then, uh, yeah. As far as I know, the wiki just places them like once a month. But okay, okay. Maybe, maybe I'm imagining that. Like sometimes, sometimes they used to do stuff like that with Marvel, where like Spider Man and X Men would have been like they they'd come out, you know, bi monthly. So you'd get like two issues a month instead of one issue or something like that. But maybe I'm just imagining that, like that Transformers was still that popular at the time. But like, I mean, I I, I did definitely remember picking up all of these off the stands. So they were like brand new, you know? So it was like at that point, it was that that kind of mentality of, you know, you, you got the comics off the stands. You may have bought, you know, bags and boards right then and there. Or, you know, maybe you had a, a little stash of a hundred bags and boards and you'd buy your new comics and then, you know, bag and board them when you got home or whatever. But like, I mean, I, I definitely remember buying these. I, I also kind of remember, you know, it's funny how you talk about this is his swamp. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's not entirely accurate, right? Like he, he kept writing transformers, you know, for, for uh, a little while after this, but I mean, as far as like an epic swan song type storyline, like that, I, I guess that applies to this. And and I kind of feel like th- this was probably the last storyline I was majorly invested in. Cause I, I quickly, I, I, I can tell like, cause it's like, I, I know I dropped off of Transformers after this pretty quickly, like where, you know, most of the other issues I either rediscovered, like we talked about Transformers 70 was on a, you know, a spinner rack comic because it was like I wasn't actively, you know, seeking them out on the stands or anything like that. It just the cover caught my eye. Right. But I, I think after issue 50, like I, if I did keep buying Transformers, it might have been for like one or two issues. But then, I yeah, was like, well, I after kinda... this is like, you know, MicroMaster wrestling and the mechanics. Yeah, and yeah, like stuff like yeah. That, so so I, I, I think I had kind of had it by that point, you know, like so. So in, in some regards, this this uh, four part storyline is kind of the end of an era for me in in some ways i mean that's that's another i guess 
vantage point I have on it. You know, like like e- even though it kept going after this, like for me personally, e- you know, even if I was still buying comics, I think my focus had had shifted. You know, I, I, I probably at this point I had I had read as much GI Joe and Transformers as I was willing to go along the ride for, and probably took you know kind of th- those those titles took a back seat to maybe other titles whether it was you know you know more more marvel titles or more dc titles or you know maybe even more independent you know dark horse type stuff whatever it was but i i think i think my uh attraction to those had had waned and and this also is kind of an end of an era i mean yeah i i mean i, I guess that's 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 sort of wide view enough you know high level view enough over uh you know my my vantage point with this uh this series i mean i i was buying it in real time but i i wouldn't be buying transformers in real time for very much longer and then i wouldn't start up again until andrew wildman and and uh simon Furman. yeah that's what i figured like i personally i got these or at least three of the issues like in a clutch of like back issue bin rating like you know in the early 90s i think like during my period of like you know oh it must be like the earlier issues that are the good ones like i'll just ignore all these like later issues that like you know from 60 above and then like you know a couple years later i was like shit i should have gotten those like you know, <laughs> when I had the chance like but but yeah, no, I I got um 47, 49 and 50 in a back issue bin and I never found 48. I think I only read it like much later, like probably on a scan site or something. But yeah, like uh you know, these are uh, I think I I had read on the, like in the early days of the internet, I remember like reading some review of like issue 50 where it's like, you know, everyone dies. Like, and I'm like, really? Like, like, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, I got to find this issue. And they like, you know, I, they, I, listened, they I, had, I kind of feel like I have thoughts on that. Cause I, 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 I don't know. I guess we'll, we, we could go into details when we talk about issue 50, I suppose. But, but I, I, I feel like there's some, uh, element of that. That's very hyperbolic. Yeah. But, but that's uh-huh. just me. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, like I wrote up little blurbs for each issue. Like we'll go issue by issue, but I, I wrote up like, you know, I didn't want to do a whole huge like involved synopsis or read the wiki synopsis. So I wrote up like a, you know, about a little couple sentences a piece for each issue. And then we'll like talk about each issue. And uh, like while I was writing the blurbs, I was telling you, I realized I was kind of writing them in like like as like almost like copy like or something like well like they were like you know promotional material so like i, I think i gotta bust out my victor caroli impression to read from so. from the files yeah of one. uh-huh yeah so uh yeah the first uh issue 47 is titled club con exclamation mark and uh cue the music me the decepticons have converted their secret island base into the human resort club con Buster Witwicky's girlfriend, Jesse, and Autobot Blaster infiltrate the resort to learn its secret and perhaps rescue the captive Buster himself. But will the marauding Seacons make fish food out of them? Find out in this exciting issue of The Transformers. So, yeah. (laughs) Issue 47. So, yeah. But the inf... Maybe... Maybe not as infamous as the Car Wash of Doom, but uh, Club Con, yeah, like uh, another uh, Budiansky, uh, you know, crazy-ass story conceit. But uh, 
I mean, what I feel like I got to ask you first because you read these like in the wild. But what was your like, you know, what what is your impressions on this issue? Like what was when you read it? Like, what do you think of it now? Like what? I mean, I, I, I think overall I enjoyed reading all the issues and that holds true for 47 as well. I think my impressions of it at the time were not not too different from from my perspective on them now there 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 is and will always be that weird disconnect between the early marvel comics and the sunbow cartoons and and this is still me you know in the throes of of loving the sunbow cartoon and kind of having that be the prominent spot on the hierarchy, you know, like, like, so the, the Budiansky Marvel comics were always playing second fiddle to that. And that's still, that's still true here. But I think I've tried to explain like whether it was from headmasters on or things like that, there were certain things that I felt like certain things were turning the corner for me either because the Marvel comics were the only option, you know, because there weren't any more Sunbow cartoons or uh, just just I felt like there were certain things that were were course correcting and stuff like that. And I guess, you know, part of it is I, I guess I could just start at the beginning. But like my impressions of it now, like there's a really nice Bob Budiansky cover like that's interesting because he didn't always do the, the covers and he didn't always do the art. Right. Because most people are used to him being you know the writer of transformers right but he, he he's had a long career as a marvel comics artist like i love his stuff on ghost rider so uh, of course the cover i think looks really nice the trumvariate of leadership as i'll call them is you know power master optimus prime fortress maximus and grimlock and they're all kind of having conversations and i thought that Blaster being, I mean, I, I guess it's no secret, right? Like, Blaster is one of Bob Budiansky's sort of pet characters. Like, that's one of his favorites to write, to feature, you know? And and so it, it, it's this, I mean, if not 41, right? Because I know you're a big fan of issue 41. Like, if, if this, if 41 is the zenith of Blaster's fan aura, like, this is like, the revival tour or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like the, all the cool leaders are like, who should we get to, to do this cool, like undercover operation? And Optimus Prime's like, I know who we should get. Who's super cool. Let's get blaster. And then like, they cut to <laughs> blaster being like dumb man, you know, in this training session. And then I'm laughing because it's like, all, you know, all the Autobots are like, wow, you're so cool. Blaster. You're super cool. Like, look at how do you do that? How you're does so, he do it? You're so fucking cool. You know? And it's like, it's like, I think Blaster in the Marvel comics was like how I viewed like Hot Rod and Rodimus in the Sunbow cartoons. Do you know what I mean? Like where it was just like, oh, dude, Blaster's so cool. You know, like that that whole thing. Like so he was like he he was almost to me like a stand in for for that type of character or whatever. And and I I don't think anyone who's read Marvel Comics Transformers um can it can escape or can can say like oh i didn't like blaster because it's like blaster was was made out to like i mean at, at a certain point when you know once they had killed off optimus prime and you were kind of in that nebulous area where you know there wasn't a fortress maximus or somebody else to pick up the slack 
Blaster was, you know, basically the protagonist, the hero character that you were following. But and then and then I also kind of cracked up because I'm sure the TF Wiki has some snide, snarky comment about this. But I, I didn't look at all the factoids on that. But there there is that funny moment where you're like, oh wait a minute, when did Runamuck or Runabout join the Autobots? Because like one one of them is participating in this little training session where Blaster's like dodging yeah. around and shit. Yeah, that's clearly an error because he's also at Club Con, like, or right, at least right. one one of the battle chargers is. Yes, right. So, so you're like you're like sitting there going like, well, th- th- this, you know, I, I don't know if if uh, you know Jose Delvo got the wrong reference or just figured out he's a car, so he must be an Autobot or whatever. Um, I I do think it's kind of interesting talking about Sunbow in season three. Like in season three, Blaster and Outback were kind of like bosom buddies or whatever in season three for whatever reason and so i did find it fascinating that outback is one of the autobots helping blaster to train and i i it started making me rack my brain because i was like did they you know like i i have distinct memories of them introducing all those guys you know in five faces of darkness but i'm just kind of like did they? Did, uh, am I forgetting an issue? Like, did did they ever like not specifically feature those characters? No, in? like the the third year mini bots, like they feature in some UK stories. Like, uh-huh. yeah, they never. I don't think any of them ever show up in the Marvel US. Like, uh, you know, aside from like you know anomalies like this issue where you know. Yeah, that that's why I was like, I was like, oh, that's interesting because it's like it's entirely possible that 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 influenced his appearance but i i it, it's funny because there was never any you know you didn't have the typical bob budiansky lineup of like hey what's up i'm out back and i i don't know whatever whatever tagline they're gonna have those characters say you know my name's tailgate and boy to my gates tail you know or what you know like whatever he was gonna have them <laughs> say right like my name's pipes because i clean up decepticons like uh whatever you know, like it's like they, they, I don't ever remember that. And you're you're confirming like that they didn't do that. So so it is kind of it's weird. It's odd. Right. Like that Outback's even in the issue at all. Um, I think when once he goes to Club Con with Jesse, I mean, they, you know, they they, they establish why he's he's like a likable uh, Autobot protagonist. Right. Because he's he's cool. He's 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 trying to take care of his mission as an Autobot, but also He's concerned for, you know, humans and doesn't want to get Jesse into too much trouble. And he's trying to look out for her and all that other kind of stuff. And, you know, even Jesse is kind of somehow swayed by the the suave welcome of Starscream to Club Con. And 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 he goes into this diatribe about how, you know, Starscream has executed so many Autobots and don't let the smile fool you and all that other stuff. And then they have that great line, which is, you know, deceit is what the Decepticons are all about, you know, and that's what Blaster explains to Jesse. And I guess it's funny, too, because I guess we, we could have been stuck with, like, spark plug in a bikini or something because, you know, I guess, <laughs> yeah. you know, originally, you know, that that's who Blaster comes to seek out to help him is, is, is spark plug. And <laughs> I then, love no. Like, I haven't read this issue in a while, but I love the friggin' like Easter egg transport blaster arrives in, like to spark plug and Jesse, like me, like a friggin' like Easter egg drops out of the sky and just lands and cracks open and blasters in there. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is the best way for me to get here. 
how do I get home? Where's the other half of my Easter egg? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. So, I mean, and then, you know, ultimately, uh, I guess the, the only other thing from a, from a modern vantage point, I, I forget what auction it was, but the, this one of the pages from this, it's the page where Jesse is uh, coming up out of the... Um, you know, like she swims underwater and goes into the Decepticon base. So there's that one page where she's like walking when she first comes into the Decepticon headquarters and she's got like blaster under her arm or whatever. So like, I think that page at some point was up for auction somewhere and I can't remember specifically which one it was, but I did, I did watch that for a little while and it didn't go like especially high or anything, but it went, it went high enough to where I was like, well, it's just like, Jesse, you know what I mean? So I wasn't like super like, you know, whatever. Maybe maybe that's something I'd regret later because I still don't have any uh, pages from the original Marvel run. And I'd like at least one. Right. But but that that was something that I was looking at. And then and then uh, eventually, I guess, you know, you, you've got, again, Blaster's fan aura. Right. Because Blaster is is, uh, you know, a one man kind of show. But he is. He is fending off the the new cool toys, quote unquote, you know, the Seacons, right? Like, so that's that's something else that, you know, you, you can another uh, feather you can put in Blaster's cap, right? Because he's he's fighting off a new combiner team that that is introduced in the standard typical fashion, you know, where that everybody's kind of announcing everyone's names and, 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 <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that whole kind of deal, you know? So, like, I mean, I, I like, I, I think when we last talked about like Budiansky's work, you were like, Oh, by this point he'd gotten really efficient at it where it's like everyone's naming each other instead of like spouting their own names. Like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, that was a good idea. Sea wing. Thanks. Not a later. Like, you know, right, let's right, go right. talk to snap trap. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> right, right. I guess just to, to seed this, because I will mention this later, the, the car wash of doom aside, just the fact that Ratbat was a Decepticon commander in the Marvel comics was always, you know, by hierarchy, it was always a tough pill to swallow, right? Like, and and so you're you're still in this era of at least one faction of the Decepticons is being commanded by a fucking tape, and I, you know, I I know that's a weird bias or whatever, but like when I you know that that's one of those things where when when I read the original Marvel comic and went, why is Shockwave not loyal to Megatron? And I, I I couldn't wrap my head around that completely. Like another thing that was always difficult for me to wrap my head around completely was that that a tape was the Decepticon commander. So and that that you know it, it's not as offensive in this first part of it. Um, I think it gets more offensive as you continue. Um, but but I, I'll just mention it because it's it's a prominent part of the the story, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think Budiansky's gone on record as saying like, oh, he did that to like you know confound expectations and whatever. And it, it, it yeah, it fucking, did. Yeah. It certainly fucking worked. It confounded <laughs> my expectations. Well, spe- speaking of tapes, this this issue also introduces Grand Slam and Rain Dance, but you wouldn't really even know it because they're just a you know a pair of cassettes basically, and like uh, they never transform or have really any agency. They're really just kind of a plot device. But uh, but it, I think it's funny that like you know Blaster like you know takes them inside himself 
and then like to distract the Decepticons or to get them off his back, like he spits them out like uh, of his actual mouth, like to get rid of them. Like I, I feel like that's almost like maybe that's something that was in like the story treatment or the script that like Jose Delbo took really literally, like you mm. know, Blaster spits the tapes back into the ocean or something and maybe and, and instead of instead of it coming out of his chest component he yeah, literally, literally like, spits, them like out. spits them out yeah <laughs> yeah i could i could see that yeah 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 i'm trying I to was... remember what what do grand slam and rain dance look like they what grand slam is the little red ta- tank like he turns he's a tape and he turns into a tank and rain dance turns into a little jet and then they combine uh, into a slam dance, like a, you okay. know, a robot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but like I said, they they don't have any agency in this like story at all. They're just like a plot device. So, it is cool. Like, well, I I think it's funny that like you know, Blaster like spits them out into the water, and then like Snaptrap feels the need for like all the sea cons to go like try and retrieve them. Like I'm like, well, dude, you could just like you know, you could go and have the rest of them like take down Blaster, but like. Okay. Like, I mean, the, the only the, like I guess I know you asked about Club Con, and like the only thing I can think of is that for some reason there seems like some to me like some parallel with Cobra Island. You know what I mean? Like, like I I, I know Cobra Island wasn't necessarily a resort, but like I I don't know. There, there it feels like that's something that is is uh, I don't know. There's something similar about that whole setup. Yeah, it does. It it does like Club Con does seem like a Cobra scheme almost. Like you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna invite all these people and 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 use that as a distraction while we do our treasure hunt or what have you. Like that 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 kind of you know yeah, seems to something. be their their mo or whatever. Like you I think mean, they're. There would yeah. be an episode where, like, Cobra Commander was, like, in a Hawaiian shirt or something, like, and they're like, come to Club Cobra! Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you're, you're kind of surprised that, that Starscream isn't in a Hawaiian shirt, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see, like, a giant oversized Hawaiian yeah, shirt. Yeah, like, yeah, It's good stuff. You know what? It's, it's, it's weird, but... Like, this is the first almost major role that Starscream has in, like, the U.S. Marvel comic, almost. Like, Budiansky didn't use him a whole lot. Like, mm. like this is, I think this is the point where, well, probably even sooner than this, but, like, you know, the cartoon was starting to influence the popularity of these characters. Because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Budiansky had Grimlock suddenly switch to his, like, you know, me Grimlock speech right, pattern right. in one issue. And now Starscream is like, you know, the, you know, sort of the focus of this entire saga, even though he never like he was KO'd by Omega Supreme back in issue 19. 19. And he hadn't, yeah, he hadn't shown up again until this issue. So it's kind of I mean, he I had a, I have a theory about that, but I think that will come up when we discuss issue 50 and everybody dies, like, like it it all kind of relates to the same topic, I guess. I I mean, as goofy as it is, I think I would have liked to seen more expansion of like the club con like concept. Like I I just love like, you know, all the Decepticons serving as like valets and stuff. Like it's almost like a, it it could not even like a GI Joe like plot. It could be like a, you know, a Sunbow cartoon episode. Like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, definitely. I like the, there's that one shot of like, I think it's like Wild Rider in the water where he's like, you know, like bathers do not like go past the buoys for your own safety. You know, like, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I, I also like that bit uh, where um, uh, Ratbat and Starscream are talking and Starscream's like, you know, as the manager of Club Con, like I have to go perform my duties. Like, excuse me. Like, he's like, oh, Ramjet's like brought another like gaggle of like, you know, flesh creatures. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> it's good. It, it, like I said, it's uh, I, back in the day when I read it, I probably thought it was cheesy and weird, but I, I think I appreciate it a lot more now. Like, I think it's, yeah, you know, yeah. despite the plot error, d- despite, I mean, in, in, in some ways, in some ways, I, I feel like club con, um, not the concept, but the actual starship, you know, the, the whole concept of, that starship that's disguised as an island, and then they they the, this this group of Decepticons keeps using it, right? The the fact that the Decepticons technically now have an underwater base in and of itself is a a, a kind of attempt to be synchronous with the original Sunbow cartoon, with you know the Nemesis being underwater, right? Like that's. To me, I mean, it's subtle, but it's it's there, right? Because, you know, typically in the Marvel comics, they had, you know, those towers and different, you know, the, the junkyard base and all these other bases where, you know, that that was always my disconnect with with the Marvel. I'm like, where's where's their underwater base? And and like I was saying, in some weird way, this is, you know, that that Club Con is an attempt to kind of course correct or or as you're suggesting you know a, an attempt to there there are these subtle things that are are becoming more and more in line with the cartoon even though the cartoon's kind of slowly going away by this point what do you think of um like she's not like as prominent a character but what do you think of like jesse like buster's like girlfriend like i i think it's funny that like you know when he sees her again he's like oh like we're finally like alone again like and i was like well she is always trying to like jump his bones like i feel like in every appearance she's in but yeah yeah yeah, buster's like oh damn like i've been starving here like come here woman like you know yeah 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 no, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think it's fine. I mean, uh, it, it, it's again, it's that weird disconnect where you're like, oh, this, this, this isn't Carly. But if you think about it, it's like, the, I mean, you can make the parallels, right? Like, you could clearly create some video where you review this issue of Transformers, and then I forget what episode it is, but you know, there's some episode where Carly gets in a bikini and goes snorkeling and busts into the nemesis too right like so i mean they're 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 not you know they're not all that dissimilar from one another they're 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 each other's respective counterparts in their own transformer universe like if you're gonna do a spider verse you know jesse and carly are gonna look at each other and go hey you're me but with like a different name or what you know what i mean like that's that, and, and and I mean, as far as what I think, like, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, you know, she's she's a, a stand up character, right? Like, she's like, no, you know, Mr. Witwicky, like, I'll go. It makes more sense because they're trying to attract young people. And like, you know, she seems like she has her head on her shoulder. She's like, she's like, OK, boomer. Like, like, I'll, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll, I'll go in a bikini and, and, and 
you know, no, no, nobody wants to look at your dad bod on Club Con, you know, like whatever. But like, no, no. But I mean, it's I mean, to me, it's like I, I, I think all that's cool. I mean, I, I think also you can't get away from it. I mean, it's it it's an excuse to have uh, a, a protagonist, you know, run around in a bikini. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 kind of tantamount. I mean, the, the difference between this and Conan covers is you've got a scantily clad woman in uh, uh, a snorkel and, uh, uh, you know, flippers, right? Running away from a Seacon. But, I mean, it's still, like, great imagery, right? Like, that's, th- th- that's I think, the whole gist of, of the story. And it's, it's, again, it's one of those things where it's kind of nice where the cover doesn't really lie to you. Do you know what I mean? You, you do have, yeah. you know, bikini-clad babe who's running away or swimming away from the freaking Seacons and the Seacons are introduced in this issue, right? Like, so, and, and, and then it kicks off, you know, a a sort of multi-part storyline, but you know what I think is interesting about this is, I mean, in in some ways it's, it's a multi-part epic storyline, but in other ways, I mean, it's still kind of a bunch of done in one issues that can, be greater than the sum of their parts. Do you know what I mean? Like you could still sort of read this on its own. And it's like, if, if it was really as interconnected as you expect, like the, the, the one thing I will say about Jesse is this is, is this not Jesse's like final appearance ever? Um, in the U S Marvel comic. Yes. But okay. she shows up again in regeneration one. I know. Like, okay. there's that sort of depressing issue where, like, you know, Rodimus is, like, you know, going through time or whatever, and he sees, like, you know, when Megatron took over Earth, like, all the zombies, like, killed Buster and Jesse, so, uh, but okay. but they, I guess they, they, I think they got married, at least, so, but, like, they, they got married before, before Megatron yeah. World War Z'd them or whatever. Yeah, okay. uh-huh. But, 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 I mean, d- discounting that, I mean, as far as, like, the Marvel comic, like, I guess what the thing I'm getting at is one, she never appears ever again after this period. Like, I mean, I mean, as far as the Marvel comic goes, but also within, if this is a four part storyline, she also does not appear in the subsequent parts, subsequent chapters of that storyline. So it's almost like, like if if there was really some sense of continuity, like, like I I guess if you're going to be, critical about it or 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 make a comment about it like maybe like like i i don't know if it works better or or you know because it's like to me it seems like these can all work individually as single issue stories but if if you really wanted to have it tie together like you know these kind of 90s stories where you couldn't you couldn't even enjoy the whole story without reading all four parts together Right. Like it, it might be something that would be interesting to have, like, I don't know, like have Jesse in the epilogue or something. You know, it's like, oh, you know, spoilers, but it's like Buster's on his freaking deathbed. Like maybe she can, you know, be, be there at the end with a towel and a cup of coffee or you know what I mean? Or or jump his bones then, you know, like I'll warm you up or whatever, whatever, you know, like some 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 kind of postscript that's like, oh, Jesse did all this cool stuff. And now you know, she's she's going to live happily ever after with Buster or whatever. But I guess, you know, it's a kid's comic. It's a toy tie-in comic. I mean, you know, th- 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 probably that, that wasn't, like, the primary concern of the, the story or anything. So anything else to say about Club Con or you want to move on? No, let's, let's, let's go on to the 
the next issue. The next issue, Marvel US number 48. Uh, the t- issue title is The Flames of Boltax. After having recovered the Autobots' Grand Slam and Rain Dance, Ratbat and Starscream review the ancient data on the two cassette transformers. Buster Witwicky braves the Decepticon headquarters' security systems to witness a holographic record of Optimus Prime's lost mission to obtain the Underbase, a storehouse of vast cosmic knowledge and power. Will the Decepticons uncover the secret to possess the Underbase, and will Buster survive long enough to warn the Autobots of its impending arrival? Find out now. Find out in Marvel Comics. Yes, in Marvel. I mean, I feel like they should have done some, you know, more animated, uh, like, uh, advertisements for these. Well, I, mean, I, I guess they would be they would be selling what, like, the Trigger Bots and the Trigger Cons for this yeah. issue, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, the cover doesn't really lie. I mean, it's the return of Megatron, but in a flashback. And I guess it's not technically the end of Optimus Prime, but, you know, it, 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 the, the cover's not a complete lie. So <laughs> there's yeah. that. Yeah the, bulk, yeah, the bulk of this issue does, like, have a is basically a flashback that, like, Ratbat and Starscream and Buster are all witness to of like you know setting I mean, up the underbase. Yeah, I mean you could almost this is one of those things where you could almost remove this from the four parts. Like it's not not crucial, I guess. I I don't know. So, sometimes I wonder too because sometimes I feel like I I guess I'd ask you, but sometimes I feel like the flashback to me confuses the issue, or I I don't know if it's necessarily the flashback, but like. Even even in the previous chapter, they talk about the underbase like it's this force of destruction. And I guess what I'm confused about is, like, why does that not apply to Transformers? And I, I it's like it, it's almost like it does, but it doesn't like like I, I guess what I'm trying to wrap my head around is like they had that sequence in the, the flashback with the pirate ship. Right. Which the setup for the underbase was, oh. The Underbase was roaming through the universe, and, and any planet it goes near, the inhabitants all get wiped out, and any star it goes through turns cold, right? So, to me, I mean, I'm kind of like, well, wow, that's that's pretty fucking awful, right? But it, it seems like they changed their minds at some point, because this, it's more like the Underbase is this somehow vast repository of knowledge that somehow gives one, you know, it becomes the MacGuffin where it gives them ultimate power, and it's all about having the fortitude to resist the temptation to take ultimate power, because ultimate power can only lead to your self-destruction type thing. And I I just, those two things seem to be contradictory to me. Like, if the underbase destroys all life, then why... Why would Optimus? I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, like even later with Starscream, it's like, shouldn't it just you know destroy him? Like, what? Why does it give him ultimate power? Like that that that's one of those things that like you know I guess I I shouldn't spend too much time on because that's just that that's what it does. The underbase is a MacGuffin. It makes Starscream briefly touches it and it it makes him uber powerful. But like, there's that part of me is like, how come that little like alien rhinoceros from the the uh, you know waterfalls of Kryptonopolis or whatever that one 
you know, pirate flashback was, how come that little alien rhinoceros doesn't like get superpowers and be tempted? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, like that, that's what, why, why does that, why does that rhinoceros become, you know, uh, 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 skull and bones? Like, why, why doesn't, why isn't the rhinoceros like flying out in space? I think going, maybe like, I hate I'm, you all. Maybe it's just something unique to Transformers that they can, okay. like, you know, because, yeah. like, uh, Boltax has that whole, like, explanation about, like, oh, within every Transformer is a database. Okay. And this is, like, the ultimate database. So, like, if you absorb, like, the ultimate database into your database, like, you'll you'll be the, like, you know, the man. You'll, you'll be basically. the ultimate Transformer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So, 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 so you took it more as, as it's, it's, it it basically the underbase is exclusive to the the, gaining the power of the underbase is exclusive to Transformers only. So it doesn't matter. Like if you go to, if you, if you go to Gobatron and Psykill tries to use the underbase, that's no go. Like Psykill dies. But like if Megatron tries to do it or Scorponok tries to do it or Starscream tries to do it, then because they're a Transformer. They're a Cybertronian, then then that's different. Yeah, that's that's what I'd assume. Like I'd okay. assume, okay, like no one can use like. Well, I mean, even it's bad, you know, as we'll see in issue fifty. I mean, even Transformers can't really maintain its power for very long right, or whatever. Right, but right. I don't know. I I just assumed it was an exclusively like cybernetic organism okay. thing. Maybe. Okay. No, that's fair. Uh, I, I mean, I, I like, you know, it, it It wasn't often that they did this, that they had like a sort of flashback to like, you know, pre-Marvel number one. Right, so, right. Like, you know, it was nice to see, you know, Optimus. And like, <laughs> of course, he's not palling around with like any of his old friends. He's got to pal around with like the new toys or whatever. Like, so like, you know, the trigger bots like. Hey, man, uh, Guido Giddy, eat your heart out because. Jose Delbo's doing an alternate Cybertronian mode for Prime. Yeah, right. Uh huh. So Cybertronian truck. Yeah. So there. So there. Don Figueroa wasn't the first. Yeah. So no. <laughs> I mean, he just draws a friggin' regular truck and like makes it all you know Cybertronian. Right, 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 right. Basically, but there's the uh, there's the bane of a uh, subsect of Transformers fans' existence. The the uh, smiley sound wave. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess. You know, that 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 comes from, like, the fact that, like, Floro Derry's, like, character model for Soundwave, like, the, the mouth plate isn't, like, defined enough. So I guess, like, Jose Delbo, like, mistook it for a mouth. Like, he, he I think for this entire, like, saga, he draws Soundwave mm-hmm. with, like, a mouth. So, yeah, Soundwave got a mouth. Um, I think the, the other thing that I think is worth discussing is that. They're, they're, as they review these tapes on the fl- the flashback on the tapes, right? Uh, Ratbat tells Soundwave to insert the tapes, and he wants to see the data that's on them. And Starscream is like, "As your second in command, is it not prudent that I too witness what's on these tapes, Commander?" And Ratbat's like, "Regrettably, your logic defies argument, Starscream, very well." And I'm just kind of like. Going back to what you said before, Starscream hasn't done diddly shit since issue 19, unless maybe you count some UK stuff, right? But ostensibly, right? He hasn't done shit since issue 19. Yeah, there's really right? no there's really no reason for Ratbat to suspect him of treachery, I think. Well, but the other thing, too, that I was wondering is, like, why why is he second in command? Like... 
shouldn't I, I mean i mean yeah. I, I don't know like like i i was just like okay so you've been out of commission you got uh repaired resurrected whatever that's great but it's like i i i was you you'd think there'd be some adjustment period or some you know if you want to make him a lieutenant and and he you know assassinates like a couple other people on the way up and then he becomes second in command okay but i i don't know i just i i thought that was funny because it's like it, it's kind of like what you're saying it, it plays into okay this is a story where it's going to be very sunbow like but instead of starscream betraying megatron let's say he's betraying ratbat who's the current decepticon commander but i don't know like i guess to me I don't know if I thought this at the time, but reading this today, I kind of think like, well, why? Why why did you make that guy your second in command? Like not not so much because like somehow Ratbat should know there's going to be treachery, you know, or whatever. But like why why someone who was out of commission for so long? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you like, would think maybe like, like Onslaught or Razorclaw or someone who had an idea of like the situation on the ground at the time would be right, a better right. choice. Would but. Be, somebody that maybe Ratbat, you know, has worked with more extensively too. You know, like, like it's like, I mean, never mind issue 19. Like, I mean, think of it in terms of Transformers. Like, it's been what, four million years or whatever? It's like, dude, Ratbat hasn't like hung out at best if Ratbat ever hung out with Starscream he hasn't hung out with him in the last four million years you know like wouldn't that it's like dude wouldn't you want I don't know make Soundwave the second in command make Onslaught the, like you said like make some other person second in command but yeah I don't know I, I, I that that I figured was a discussion worth having do you know what I mean like I, I don't know that there's any good answer like- to it but you, you've discussed this, but I mean, I can admit when I read this issue for the first time, like finally, I was kind of like, it's weird seeing Soundwave take orders from Ratbat. Like, yes. you know, it is. It's very weird. And like one of my favorite jokes on the wiki is like that picture of the multi sound wave with Ratbat, like giving him orders or whatever. And like the caption is like in Soviet Russia, tape commands you. Like <laughs> See, that's what like I yeah, it's it, it it's always been tough and that you you're absolutely right. It's almost like you know, you, you get so involved in the uh you know, the lore or uh, you know, it, it it's that it's that you know what it is? It's it's that Lori Lamaris factor. Like you don't question Superman having a mermaid girlfriend, you don't question you know, Damien having a cow for a pet. Like you, you read the Marvel comic long enough, you don't question a tape commanding its master, basically. You know what I mean? Like, where it's like, but you absolutely should, right? You should be like, what the fuck? Like, dude, Soundwave, Soundwave is in charge of the tapes, not the other way around. Did you ever see, um, like, the remastered reprints of these issues that IDW did? No. Because, because I think the wiki probably has some pictures of it, but they like made color corrections and art corrections to a lot of things. And like, in like, you know, just basically remastered all the old, like cruddy, like, you know, paper or whatever. But what they did to sound, they, 
they edited it out Soundwave's mouth to make him look like more like, you know, like he had a mouth plate instead. But it just ends up looking kind of creepy. Like he has like, you know, like he's in the Matrix and like he's got like flesh colored like stuff over his mouth or something. So it just huh. looks kind of weird. But but I think and they also um, colored him blue instead of his usual like Marvel purple uh, or whatever. Okay. So, okay. but interesting. Like, yeah. Tell me, Mr. Soundwave. What good is a phone call if you're unable to speak? Did you look speaking of the the cell toys of this issue? Like, did you have any of the trigger bots or trigger cons? Negative. Negative. Yeah, like I've never I don't think well the trigger bots did these I'm I'm trying to remember, were these like um things that sparked or, or no or, they had no. they had like okay. flip out weapons like okay like okay. Their, their whole gimmick was like you hit a button and their weapons would like fast deploy like or whatever. oh like, okay yeah like i i don't yeah i i definitely did not have any of these I think like I, I remember I watched the, the the commercial. They had a commercial, but I don't think it had any new animation. But it it had its own jingle, and it was like you know when the trigger bots fight the trigger cons. There's no doubt it'll be a real shootout or something. <laughs> like they had to like uh, mush it into the like Transformers melody or whatever. But you think you think we could get the the Cybertronic spree to cover that commercial? Yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. But. I think like the trigger bots have never had a like remake really, I don't think, like in modern times, but the um the trigger cons, uh Ruckus, Crankcase, and Windsweeper, uh, all three of them have had like sort of modern toys at one point or another. So Is that because they were featured more in, in subsequent comics? I think maybe? so. I mean, yeah, like Ruckus I mean Crankcase was a big deal in like the IDW one point yeah, yeah. It's one of the scavengers and uh Windsweeper and Ruckus have had minor parts in the, the current uh IDW continuity, so but yeah, the trigger bots really just kinda aren't as popular, I guess. I mean it's nice to see Megatron again, even if it's in the flashback or whatever. Like I liked I like the whole scene where Ruckus is like, we should we should destroy the the trigger bots and Optimus and Megatron's kind of like Ruckus, you micro brain buffoon. They are unwittingly showing us how to avoid every one of Bozak's traps. Our success depends on their survival for now. You know, and I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, this is, you know, I don't know, kind of standard. His voice is definitely there. Like, I like that whole bit when they confront, like, the Boltax disciples or whatever. And the disciples are like, you know, you know, death and destruction, like, await you. And, like, you know, Megatron's like, oh, but we share those gifts with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We bring those gifts to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is unique, like I said. I, I feel like they don't, at least in the U.S. comic, like Budiansky didn't often go back to before the war. And I, I like that whole also that bit where Ratbat and Starscream are like, you know, Ratbat's like, oh, like Optimus today would never like endanger innocent lives or whatever. And then Starscream's like, then he got more foolish with age. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, any, anything else on the flames of Boltax? Like, do you have any other... Uh, the the only the only thing is like I, I think reading it now, uh, 
I there, there's something about I, I get why Buster trips over wires and bonks his head into a wall because he thinks he's still in the hologram. Like I get that's the w- what it was on paper. But I think visually, it just looks like Buster's a moron and isn't looking where he's going. <laughs> like, like I mean, I understand the story point of it's supposed to be like, oh no, they're in the what? What did they call it? The 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 virtual, you know, the the flashback thingy or whatever they called it, the the vid tape or whatever, right? Like, I get oh, that real you know, vision, yeah, yeah, real vision, right? Like, I, I get that the the point of it's supposed to be like, oh, well, Buster's. Buster's sneaking a peek at the real vision too, and thus, you know, he he thinks he's still in the real vision, so he can just walk through wherever he is. But there's a, an actual console there, and so he smacks into it. But when I when I looked at it, I was just kind of like, "You moron! Like, why don't you look where you're going?" You know. <laughs> I think the wiki makes this joke too, but I think I love how like they'd say like, man, Starscream and Buster must be like those kids at a movie who like yell, oh, don't open that door. Like, you know, like it's a movie, dude. Like you can't influence it. Like, you know, and they, <laughs> like they can't like they, they keep doing it. Like both of them, like Starscream's like, oh, blast. Like, you know, Optimus saved them. And like Rat Pat's like, of course he did, moron. Like, you know, like, it, this, this happened millions of years ago. It's like what Starscream's like, Oh, no, girl. Don't go in there. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, okay. That was part two. So uh, let's move on to issue 49, uh, titled Cold War! Exclamation mark. At last, Ratbat and Scorponox Decepticon forces meet face to face for the first time. But Starscream's scheming pits the two mighty armies against each other in an all-out Decepticon civil war. What is Starscream's master plan, and how does Buster Witwicky factor into it? And most of all, will the Autobots be able to intervene in time to make a difference? Find out in the next exciting chapter of The Transformers, The Underbase Saga. This is one of my favorite issues of this saga. Like, I liked the whole, like, you know, the Decepticon politics and, Mm -hmm. and, like, escalating into a Decepticon mini civil war. Like, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. That first splash of all the, to, to me, I mean, I guess it's not so random, but to me it was kind of a random assortment of Decepticons from Ratbat's forces. I mean, you've got, like, the Triple Changers, you've got some some Predacons, you've got Ratbat, Soundwave, and then Buzzsaw and Laserbeak. So to me, I mean, it, you know, it, it's not like it was all five Predacons, right? Like, so it's like, to me, I, I felt like it was kind of a random assortment. And, like, I guess it just gave me flashbacks to like stuff where I was like there 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 was a point where I got this bright idea because we were going to do like some kind of video storyline that, you know, explained how all the the Transformers became action masters, because I think I had just gotten all the action masters. And so like and I got this idea of like, hey, what, what Transformers do you have and what Transformers do you have? And it was it was me and two other friends and I remember out in the backyard on on the deck, it was like we had all three of our collections combined so that it would like we, we had like, you know, all these different Decepticons and stuff. And I remember doing some goofy thing where like 
you used to be able to on like handy cams like shoot it in slow motion and stuff and so like i did this video of like i threw like starscream into shockwave and and filmed that in slow-mo but that was supposed to be like their death sequence so that like they could be reincarnated as action masters or whatever and like i don't know why it just it just reminds like that random assortment because it was like we we had a lot even all three of us together, but we didn't have everything, right? So it was like, it, it always seemed like a random assortment because maybe we didn't have, you know, the entire lineup or whatever, so. Yeah, I, I do like the sort of random makeup of the, you know, the two teams or whatever, but uh, I, and I, it's funny because it's like they, they forget about a lot of characters too. Like, I mean, I, you don't see a lot of like, you know, stunticons or combaticons in right. the rat bats team. Like it's mostly, you know, the newer guys like the seacons and the predacons or whatever. But I mean, you, you know, there's no, like, I don't know what did Cyclonus and Scourge go fuck off back to their UK timeline at this point. Yeah, it's, like, it's weird that even though Budiansky made the effort to include Cyclonus and Scourge in the Headmasters mini, that he never used them again, which is, yeah. you know, kind of fortuitous that like, you know, Furman could like, you know, do stuff with them in the UK comics. But maybe maybe they thought like it would be too confusing for people or maybe, you know, but or maybe it was just a coincidence. But I mean, I think, again, for me, Scorpinox Decepticons coming into the mix here was uh, a course correct for me, you know, because I was like, oh, thank God. There's like a Decepticon commander with like arms and legs. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, there's not some fucking tape telling people what to do anymore. Like, that's that's that that was for me, like, kind of like what what I dug, you know, and then and then, of course, they do have that that funny moment where. You know, they, they, they're talking smack about fleshlings and then Scorpinox's like, hey, bro, I'm a fleshling. You know, like, it's almost like, like I, I felt like that was a parallel or a repeat of the scene from issue like 41 where Grimlock met Fortress Maximus. Yeah. Like, where yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, fleshlings are weak. Yeah, well, guess what, motherfucker? I'm a fleshling. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Like, I'm a fleshling, motherfucker. Yeah. So, like, you know, I liked that, though. But, uh, but yeah, and I, I, you know, you've got again, like, like I said, you got Starscream that is like schemy, treacherous, like best here, like you know, pitting, you know, he, oh yeah, he pitting them against each other, and like you know, he puts his plan into action, and like I said, yeah, it was like Budiansky, I mean, was the one who gave Starscream his personality in the first place, but like he never really used them in this capacity up until now, so yeah, yeah. I did, you know, and he, of course I love, you know, my man Buzzsaw, like, gets first blood, like, when the fight starts, like, he runs up, he flies over and rips off Cutthroat's arm, so, like, you know. I, I thought that was, I mean, I get it, I, I don't know, Buzzsaw has his, his, his ridiculous fan aura or whatever, right, but, like, there, there's that weirdness for me where I'm like, man, there's just pages and pages of ostensibly quote-unquote new toys getting demolished by old toys and i was just kind of like wait aren't you trying to sell these guys like like because it's like i mean cutthroat you could probably still buy but buzzsaw rips his arm right off you know what i mean like yeah like like horrible like is is what i mean horrible's a headmaster junior like, isn't this their introduction? Yeah, I don't think they've ever shown up until now, yeah. And 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 Blitzwing just, like, 
demolishes him. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to like, huh, like that's, I mean, I, I, it's weird that they're, it's like the new toys are more cannon fodder and like, and like Rampage is owning ape face and you, you know, like, and, 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 and that, that whole thing. I mean, the, the only thing that made sense to me is when Scorponok comes in, then, then it's like the tide starts turning in the opposite direction because he's ripping apart uh tantrum and then, and then, bomb burst is like giving Soundwave a hard time but even you know it's not like Soundwave gets killed or whatever you know but but, yeah. but at least in that sense I'm just kind of like oh I hear some new toys you know laying the smack down on the old toys and I mean most times like I'm I'm more of a proponent of like I don't I don't like the new character coming in and you know like owning the the established classic character but in terms of like selling toys right like it's just like one of those things where it's like well who like basically after you read this like who would want to buy horrible because he's horrible yeah you run you up and, <laughs> yeah it got sliced in half yep uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I, I i guess it was i felt like it was a little more tit for tat like i mean i think like you know i think the wiki actually has like a scorecard for this mm. issue where it's like you know bug buzzsaw versus cutthroat like buzzsaw wins like you know but then like you know you got bugly versus skywarp and bugly like shoots him down like and then uh yeah bomb burst beats sound wave and then uh um, you know, it's funny, too, and I was thinking, because it's like Scorponok rips Tantrum in half, mm-hmm. but Tantrum's in the next issue where he dies, like, quote unquote, dies again. Well, so that's like, that that's I guess. I mean, again, I'm going to talk about this in a lot of detail in in issue 50. But that that's one of those things where the only way I can describe this is by pointing out my disconnect with the Transformers, the movie adaptation, because in the movie itself, in the animated movie, it's very, very clear that certain characters are dead forever. And when you read the movie adaptation, there's like, I don't know, 19 panels on one page. And four of those are Megatron going zap, zap, zap for Ironhide, Prowl, brawn and um ratchet and 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 you're just kind of, i mean I, all i can convey is that didn't mean anything to me all it meant was because i mean especially given you know my hierarchy of the sumbo cartoon above all right because brawn's been shot by megatron's cannon a billion times in the first season and never died you know what i mean so it's like it's like you know he, he maybe he needed repairs but but he never died from it and so th- to, to me there's that disconnect with things where it's like like think about it like i mean you could easily apply the hyperbole of Everyone is dying in this issue. It's Decepticon versus Decepticon. And I feel like that's untrue, right? Because Soundwave didn't die fighting Bombers. Do you know what I mean? But but somebody could easily just say, oh, yeah, Soundwave's dead. He's totally dead. You know, and it's just like, but that's that's kind of that's kind of not true. And and even if Tantrum was ripped in half, I mean, Who's to say they can't put them back together for the next issue to get ripped apart again? Because they yeah. they can get repaired, well, right? Like the, what what my point was going to be is like if 
Budiansky had it in his head to like, you know, wipe out a bunch of these characters because the cast was getting way too unwieldy. Like he should have like permanently taken out some uh, like Decepticons mm. in this issue. Because, I mean, like Skywarp gets shot down, too, but he's back for next issue, too. So, well, and it's funny, too, because they they presumably due to the uh, I don't know, the the efficiency of Decepticon fuel commander Ratbat or whatever, like that. That's why Buzzsaw and Laserbeak and, and the Seekers and everything are, you know, quote unquote, resurrected. Right. But if if that was going to be a problem, like, why did you resurrect these guys just to shuffle them offline again? You know, like, like that, I don't know. Like there's things about that, that kind of cracked me up. I, I, you know, I, I still really enjoy like this fight scene just cause I feel like since, since it's like two groups of bad guys fighting each other, I feel like, you know, it's, it's an excuse to be more brutal than usual. Mm, so mm. like, you know, you know, like I like, you know, ape face smacking, rampage around with his own Ooh, arm. with his own arm yeah he's he faces going all like shiro amada on his ass or something <laughs> like you know he's like and i'm gonna marry aina like, me go home me marry aina you know it's like what i mean other than that though like i said you know you've got starscream like you know manipulating everyone he's got you know he got buster to like blab to scorponok about the underbase and then he gets buster to like you know, he, he at the end, he leaves Buster on an iceberg and he was like, hey, you know, call the Autobots if you want. But, you know, and you'll say it'll, it'll save your life. But, you know, then they might get ambushed by all the Decepticons. Like, so, you know, he's a, he's on the top of his game now. I mean, Starscream is pretty confident that Buster is going to push the button and Buster does push the button. And Buster has his own rationalization for pushing the button, which is the Autobots need to be involved to stop Starscream. But like like this this would be a cool what if moment, you know, like what if what if Buster doesn't push the button? Do you know what I mean? Like what if Buster just dies like yeah. and then and then they don't summon the Autobots. But then does Starscream still get the underbase power? Probably like does he get it sooner so that he comes back and wipes out all the Decepticons first and then it's him against the Autobots? Like what you know, what happens then, you know? And it's something I forgot to mention, like early on, but like and you can see it as early as the first issue. But uh, um, because of the the Floro Dairy character model for Starscream or like all the first year seekers, like Jose Delbo consistently draws Starscream with only like one like quote unquote ear. Oh, like, okay. you know, like or, you yeah. know, the side kind of vents yes, on the yes, side of yes, the seekers yes. like. Because like the this the Floro Derry character models at an angle, yeah, and yeah. like the other the other side is hiding behind one of those like shoulder like uh, vents or whatever. He thought like Starscream only had like one ear, so he's always drawing him like with one ear. So you know, Soundwave with the mouth, Starscream with one ear. Like you can always tell like a Jose Delbo, like you know. He has certain things. And he also like another Ho- Jose Delboism is the, the I call it the Jose Delbo point. And you'll when I describe the pose, you'll probably be able to like mentally. I don't know if there's an example of it in this issue, but you, you'll probably mentally be able to like conjure up like he has people like point at something. But he like has their whole like upper body like tilted back. So like they're sort of like pointing like down the length of their side like while their whole like head and back are like 
leaning all the way back. Mm. Like I call it like the Jose Delbo point. I mean, I don't, what do you think of like Jose Delbo? Like, I mean, I think he's like functional, but he's certainly like, you know, I don't think he's as like dynamic as like, you know, Frank Springer or like Don Perlin could be. I think it's something that I've looked at with different eyes because I, I don't think Transformers are necessarily Jose Delbo's strong suit. Like, I, I think he was drawing to certain character models and he tried to be as on model as possible. I, I think, if anything, you know, the, the kind of haphazard generic coloring hurts things more than the art itself, right? But I think what you will notice, especially about these issues, just because it's easier to point out, is Jose Delvo's pirates, Jose Delvo's Jesse in a bikini, like all that stuff is like where he excels, right? Like like Jose Delvo drew some cool world's finest issues. He drew you know, cool Batgirl. He drew, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, it's like if you put him on a superhero book and have him drawing superheroes in dynamic poses, like, I, I think he's great. If you are looking at this from the vantage point of a young, stupid kid like I was in the, the, the early 80s who loved the Floro Deary animation models, you know, and we get all grumpy when things were off model. Well, you can easily find things that are off model because, you know, 90 percent of the time he's following the toy model. Right. And then and then on top of that, like you said, you know, whatever um, misinterpretations of the the Sunbow Floro Deary models come into play. Right. Then then there's those as well. And I think I, I never thought like I was super excited about the art in Transformers in general until like, you know, kind of like what we established, like until somebody like Andrew Wildman came on board and made me look at it in a completely different vantage point. And I, I, I guess what, you know, I, I get what you're saying, you know, cause it's like, okay, you know, it's, there, there's nothing bad about it. I, I think it's fair to say, especially as a young kid that I wasn't, I, I I didn't find it as exciting as other artists, but there's moments I think you know what I mean. Like like I I think I think certain characters like I enjoy. Like I think you know overall of what we've been talking about, like especially the flashbacks with Optimus and Megatron. Like I enjoyed most of it. Like I enjoy his take on Megatron. Like I think I for some reason I think because of the way Megatron's face is designed, that affords even artists that are not doing the whole and you know Andy Wildman you know spittle and 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 anger and all that other stuff like for some reason I think Megatron can afford to be more expressive than say I don't know Soundwave or Prime with big face plates on their face and all that other shit and so I think that that comes across pretty well yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I I you know, d- to me, I don't want to throw the guy under the bus either because I think he is a good artist. But I think as far as as Transformers goes, like uh, I think you know, comparatively, it's not necessarily something that I'm most excited about. And I think you know, it just goes to show to to me, like it's like I think Jesse and Sparkplug and the pirates and all that other stuff look look like he's having more 
fun drawing that than than trying to put yeah. together all these these you know try to be on model with either a a toy design or a an animation model or or what have you so I think, so yeah. I think that comes across maybe in the in the total work is all I, I think he does struggle with like trying to make Transformers emote because like as you can tell by my avatar like every so often like he gives friggin Transformers like pupils too and like I've got the the avatar of like Optimus Prime like and it looks like he's like rolling his eyes or something but it's like he was just looking up. So, like, I, I don't know if that's the only way you could think to make them, like, you know, like, emote somehow or, like, mm. indicate what direction he's looking in or what. But, yeah, I always thought that was kind of weird. I was like, even, even on that cover of uh, issue 48 where Megatron is, like, you know, looming over Prime, it's like Megatron's got pupils and so does Prime. So so it's like some weird, like, Bayformers, like, proto Bayformers stuff there. But uh, and anything else on this issue or no? All right. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to the conclusion of, of uh, the Underbase Saga issue 50 uh, titled uh, Dark Star uh, exclamation mark. At last, Starscream possesses the power of the Underbase and goes on a rampage, slaughtering dozens of Autobots and Decepticons. Only the combined leadership of Optimus Prime, Fortress Maximus, Scorponok and Ratbat can ensure that the Earth will survive this brutal onslaught. Can anyone stop the cosmically-powered Starscream? And what price will be paid in the attempt? Find out in the thrilling conclusion today. I think they'll be just fine without Rat. <laughs> they'll be leadership. just fine, yeah. They'll be just fine. Yeah, this. I mean, this issue was pretty infamous to me, I guess, because, like I said, I, I think I read a, a summary or a view of it before I picked it up. Because, and I was like, "Oh, issue fifty is the one to get. That's the one where like everyone dies." And like, okay. you're right. Like, I mean, yeah, everyone. Okay, everyone doesn't die. I don't. I don't care what McFeely says. I don't care about the TF Wiki. Like, I don't care about any of that shit. Like, everyone doesn't die. The 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 general trope of transformers was that they get shot up they go offline and they get repaired i mean even even omega supreme in 19 taking out all those original decepticons they all come back and they're all in this so you can't tell me that they're dead right like that seems hyperbolic i my theory is and this is kind of what i was hinting at earlier is they know that they're going to be introducing new pretenders that are based on Jazz, Bumblebee, Grimlock, and Starscream. And my argument to you guys is much like, you know, I used to get into fights over fucking Return of the Jedi, where I'd say only one Ewok died in the Battle of Endor. And people will get mad at me and say, no, dude, there, there's way more Ewoks that died in the Battle of Endor. And I said, dude, you only see one Ewok die on screen. Only one Ewok died in the Battle of Endor. And people will get all mad at me. But my 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 supposition is I believe that Goldbug was killed by Starscream because he has to get resurrected later as a as a pretender, as, you know, the new Bumblebee. Um, I believe that Starscream killed Jazz because the same thing. And then when poor Grimlock gets tossed 
into the the fire barrage of all those fucking Decepticons or whatever. Like that that is the death of Grimlock, so he can be resurrected as a pretender or whatever. And then without realizing it, you know, Starscream, you know, spoilers, Starscream absorbs all the, the power of the underbase and goes all splody. And that's how this is resolved ultimately. But Starscream also dies so that he can be resurrected as a pretender. I think everybody else is negligible there. there I mean, there, there's probably some arguments that can be made where the dialogue is, I will destroy you. You will be, I, I forget exactly what the dialogue is, but like there, there's certain dialogue that kind of says, you know, you will, I don't know if I can find it or not, but like, you know, something where, you know, Starscream says, Oh, you, I I've ceased your functioning or, you know, whatever the, whatever the hell he says. Right. And and based on that, you could make the argument like, oh, well, he clearly killed these guys or whatever. A bunch of Transformers getting sucked out into space like that doesn't kill them. Who cares? I mean, it's an epic splash page. Right. But that doesn't mean all those guys are dead because they're not. Right. And then and then when they come back to Earth, it's like, oh, I guess there's the argument like what he it's like he zaps all the aerial bots. Right. Like, did he incinerate them? I don't think so. They're all falling to the ground and Jetfire says he knocked them all out with one blast. So to me, I'm like, well, they're not dead. Right. But, but, and it's like, I guess here's one. Like he says, they haven't got time to shoot gold bug only to die. And it's like, and, and, and he says like hound blue streak, mirage hoist broad and gears cease to function. So it's like, I suppose you can make the argument like those guys are dead, but, I could make the argument that they're just going to, you know, bring them back online like a couple issues later. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, Goldbug at least is getting like ripped into a million pieces. You know what I mean? Like that that to me seems more definitive or whatever, you know, where the Seacons are fairly new. And Starscream's like, I will return you to the foul depths from which you came permanently. So you're telling me he killed the brand new toys? Like, I, I don't, you know, they, they say he, you know, Ratbat says he slaughtered them. But it's like, I, I don't know that I buy that. Like, and again, the, it kind of all goes back to what I described before, the, the disconnect in reading the Transformers, the movie adaptation. Like, something about the way these are drawn, I mean, aside from, like I said, aside from gold bug getting ripped in half you know like like it's like most things just to me look like zaps and if you got zapped that doesn't necessitate that you're you're dead right i mean at least grimlock like he tosses grimlock into like a barrage of like you know i don't know a dozen guns right like that is is more than a zap and when you cut back to the panel you know this is my my you know you see the one ewok argument right when you when you go to the next panel it's like grimlock's corpse basically is it's ripped open it's steaming there's no life in his eyes like you know like that to me regardless of the dialogue is like okay dude is dead right like but a lot of these characters don't have that follow-up panel. They just get zapped, and it's like, okay, so they got zapped, and they fell to the floor. Like, that doesn't mean that they're dead, especially in terms of Transformers. But anyway, that that's probably enough ranting, but I, I don't know if you uh, have 
if there's things you agree with or disagree with or or you have a different, you know, uh, revised take on the whole thing. Trent, like, you know, in the in the third issue, like with Spider-Man, like, you know, they had that whole thing about gears like, quote unquote, dying like an Optimus is like, you know, oh, he's not dead, but he's not what you would term like alive, like basically. So like, you know, death for a Transformer is very different than like a human is what they established in the Marvel series. So like, I you know, I think Starscream, my headcanon was always that like. Well, you know, I mean, Starscream shoots down the aerial bots, but I mean, like, you know, Nucleon maybe revives them. So, like, I think maybe Starscream, like, burnt out all their circuits or something so they can't return to life unless, you know, someone, like, puts a lot of elbow grease into it, basically. And, you know, that's the whole point of Furman's first arc on uh, Marvel US with, you know, Ratchet trying to restore everyone. And, like, he only... He can only restore Grimlock, Bumblebee, and Jazz because he's got the Pretender like technology like that he steals from Megatron. So I mean, like I think it's all a matter of what resources you have. I mean, it's it's also like it's also like comic book logic too. I mean, like anyone can come back to life if you really need that character. Yeah. yeah. So like yeah. I guess you can go to either side of the spectrum then. It's like did everyone die or did no one die? Like, you know, and I guess right, it's, right. it's yeah, it's somewhat like in the middle, I guess, where you're like, well, maybe this is a, like in Transformer terms, I guess this could be termed like a slaughter. But like, you know, maybe, you know, in other terms, you could say, well, no, just a lot of people got like, you know, knocked out or whatever. <laughs> like, right, right. But, but you know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure Budiansky intended it to be like a deck clearing exercise. Like, I mean, he, like you said, he probably knew that like he had to at least show like Grimlock, Jazz, like and Bumblebee and probably Starscream, like, you know, being taken out like definitively. So like when they come back, you know, inev- inevitably there has to be a good reason for it. So but like all the rest, like I don't think he was ever going to he probably didn't foresee them ever using like, you know, Blue Streak and Hoist and, you know, Hound or whoever else again. So right, he was like, right. well, these guys are gone forever, probably. But I mean, aside from all that, like, what do you think of like, you know, the dramatics of this issue, like altogether? Like, do you think it's a, you know, a good conclusion? Like, do you think yeah, like I, I think it works? I mean, they, they set up the intrigue with, you know, it, it, it's that whole, you know, bah, Prime's a coward. Why is he staying behind and all this other stuff? And, you're, you know, it, it, I, I think, you know, especially when you're a kid reading this, you're kind of like, wow, what? Why, why is Prime staying behind? Like, maybe he is a coward. Like, what's what's going on here? You know, so you don't know quite what what Prime's angle is and all that other stuff. And then and then you realize I, I feel like this is like the beginning of uh, Scorponok and, and Power Master Prime's like bromance to, to me. Like the exact yeah. moment is like page 11, panel four, where it's like it's like he's thinking about. Like basically, you know, Rat Bat explains that they're all dupes, and and Prime says I sought the same prize as Starscream did of the Underbase, but he learned that the power's too great, that possession brings madness or death, and then Scorponox in the background is like, is that what you truly believe, Optimus Prime? And then he thinks to himself, or is that what you want everyone else to believe? But it's like already there. I feel like there's that spark where Scorponox is considering like this Prime guy's like 
pretty cool. Like, like we could be buds. Like, like that thing. Like, I feel like I feel like that's that's the seed of it right there or whatever. There's an interesting before this. There's an interesting line of dialogue that uh, does not technically apply, but it made me think of Beast Wars, where on uh, I think it's page seven in in the bottom panels. Uh, Scorponok is transforming and commanding his pretender guys to destroy uh, the Autobots. And he says, destroy them all, my Decepticons. Crush every spark from their bodies. And I think, of course, at the time, Budiansky just meant, you know, crush every spark. But in the Beast Wars context, you're like, oh, hey, they're talking yeah. about spikes, you know, like whatever. Uh-huh. So you could, you could retroly, you know, retroactively uh, uh, apply that philosophy and go, hey, he was talking about spikes even back then. It's so cool or whatever. You know, like you could have fun with with that. Um, I know, I know you dig Buzzsaw. Um, I'm going to throw Buzzsaw in with Ratbat and go, why is Buzzsaw and Ratbat giving Omega fucking Supreme <laughs> and Fortress fucking Maximus pause? Like, that kind of shit is like, that, like, that's the one thing I will say is like, that's some of the stupidest fucking shit. Because I'm like, come on, man. Like, why is, <laughs> why is Ratbat giving Fortress Maximus a hard time? Come on. This is, What? Like that, that well, it, I does, think it is, doesn't help that like it's like the smallest toy in the line is knocking over the biggest toy. Yeah, it's like line, come basically. on, so, like this is fucking stupid. I, I think also too, like for me, like I, I mean, we've repeatedly had this discussion about how tired it is seeing Starscream betray cybertronians or transformers for ultimate power in all kinds of multimedia storylines and transformers but i mean this is kind of this is kind of the first time it was ever done right like and so i i feel like this is it, it, like to me i mean th- this one gets a pass for me like like i yeah, read it is, in real time yep. this is this is this works you know i i, I find it fascinating that you know, I mean, I, it doesn't not make sense to me, but but it is interesting that like, like it. Okay, ju- just just put yourself in Starscream shoes for a minute and pretend like you are treacherous or whatever, and you want ultimate power, and then you obtain ultimate power. It, it's a little weird to me that he refers to them all as Transformers, because it, it kind of be like me going, "Ha stupid Earthlings, I'm gonna slay you all." You know, and I'm kind of like, "Dude, bro, you're an Earthling." You know, like like there's there's that weird aspect to me about it. But then part of me is kind of like, well, if you're if you become like godlike, right? Like maybe you consider yourself above human beings, right? Or or you know, if you're if you're doing this identification exercise that I'm asking you to do, right? Like like maybe Starscream's like, oh well, I'm above Transformers now. I'm I'm godlike underbase Transformer, so I, I consider myself you know, superior, right? Like, not that he didn't already consider himself superior, but now it's even more so. But but there there is that aspect where I find it amusing that he's like a bunch of stupid Transformers, you know, like that thing or whatever. So, yeah. Well, like the way he says it, too, it's like, you know, no one can stop me now, least of all the Transformers. Like, you know, like it's like he's transcended transform manity like almost. yes like yes that and that there, there's something that is is odd about that right like yeah so. uh-huh 
But I mean, you know, overall, I think I think the story works really well. You know, like I I, yeah. I think I think they they built up to it. It 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 has a good payoff. You know, there there there's that. I mean, I I imagine you know it it comes with its own share of bumpy roads. But I mean, ostensibly, like I would think this is right up your alley because I mean, th- this is a textbook rival fusion issue too right you, i mean it's almost like it's almost like they took the justice league and the rival fusion concept and by justice league i mean like the classic silver age justice league because it's like okay blaster and Ratbat, you go off and handle like chapter one it's like i'm, I'm trying to remember who it's like oh grimlock and uh uh, you know, uh, scorponok you go off and handle chapter two you know that yeah. thing well it's funny you mention that because the, the series finale of Justice League Unlimited always gives me deja vu of this issue just because, mm-hmm. you know, they all split off with the, you know, the Legion of Doom and like uh-huh. Uh-huh. the different like cities to fight off, you know, the parademons and whatever. So, like, I always like thought, oh, yeah, this is kind of like, you know, it reminds me of like the Underbase saga almost. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that whole like pairing off thing, I always felt like was it. I mean, if you read like the early, early issues of Justice League, that's like a Justice League trope, right? Like, so. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I like it. I, and I, I think the fact that like, you know, Starscream is all cosmically powered and like, you know, he starts like sort of mutating and stuff like gives like, you know, Jose Delbo license to go all like kind of loosey goosey with his like design. So I think, and I think that makes it him more comfortable in drawing like mm, some cooler mm. images too. Like I think, you know, the, the ultimate Starscream at the end, right before he explodes looks like really awesome. Like he, he seems to, you know, be mutating or like transforming like, throughout the issue into a more like sort of uh hideous like form so like i think that all that stuff all looks kind of cool i i like some of the images of of scorponok like i think i think delbo does a good like when scorponok is like trying to make his own play for the underbase and he's he's he, he fly like i i really like that panel where you see him like swooping and flying out of the arc like, you know, after he sort of zaps Power Master Prime and, and, and Rat Bat or whatever. Like, I, I I think that one looks pretty cool. And even even some of the ones where he's trying to intercept the the underbase, like yeah. I, I, I enjoy. So I like that. I mean I think it's supposed to be all like cool and badass, but like like well, I, I like I, I kinda like I wish the panel looked a little better, but I like that whole bit where like Scorponok's shooting at Optimus and Optimus like dodges and he's like, you never could move like that before. And Optimus is like, I can do many things now that I have my engine like back, you know, high Q in my tummy. Like, you know, right, 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 right. But, but yeah, like I, I guess you, you when you were reading this back in the day, you must have been happy when Scorponok put Ratbat down. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God. No more of this shit. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that, Rat that, Bat, you you would think for someone as efficient as Ratbat was, like he'd 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 realize that like loudly proclaiming that I'm going to take the underbase is not the best thing to do when your back's to you know someone who's going to stab you in the back probably, but but maybe he just thought that Scorponok wasn't that type of guy. But then I guess Ratbat's not the best judge of character if he let Starscream do all this too. I feel like I feel like if the underbase was like alcohol, like I'm like Ratbat, who are you kidding? You're such a fucking lightweight. 
like you'd have like a, a couple sips of wine and you'd already be tipsy. So, you know, what, what you think you're <laughs> going to, you think you're going to, I mean, at least, at least Scorpionog's like big and large, like, like, yeah. like you think like, oh, maybe, maybe he could kick back a few brews and actually do something with the underbase for a little while. But Ma- like, imagine if Budiansky decided that Rapat was the one who should like get the underbase and mutate into a giant like Rapat, like with oh, all God. the. <laughs> a giant mutant rat bat. Actually, that could be kind of cool, like a giant kaiju-sized rat bat. Rat bat. Fight. Like, yeah. But, uh, I mean, obviously, like I said earlier, I think, you know, at this point, the cartoon was, like, way... was. I mean, it was over but this at this point, but uh, Starscream's portrayal in the cartoon probably, like, superseded, you know, a lot of pe- new characters' popularity still, so... Yeah, yeah. That's why he probably was chosen to be the big bad here. I think it is, like, a little lame that, like... Uh, I mean, Optimus even mentions it at the end where he's like, you know, oh, sadly, like it seems like anyone who wasn't a new toy was particularly like susceptible to Starscream's like cosmic blasts or whatever. Like, oh, oh what was the bullshit excuse? Oh, 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 he, like, says, uh, he, he says Transformers were totally inorganic, were were uh, were the ones that were mainly destroyed. But pretenders with their syntho flesh outer shells and those of us binary bonded to humans like you and me were much less affected. Yeah. yeah. So like having a little gob of flesh in your head protected you. Yeah. Like, I guess because I mean, Fortress Maximus took a couple blasts and didn't die. But I assume it's like when you're like half sand and half human. Yeah. And half Kryptonian it, and half like, human. It's not like. Scorponok and Fortress Maximus's crews like got a lot of play in this issue anyway. Like I don't at all. I don't think. Like I think aside from the pretenders attacking Starscream, like they none of the other new guys like you know took a swing at him. Like so, it should have been like shit that would have been good to know before we sent our troops the into the battle. Guys, we sent all the disposable guys like first. Yep. Uh huh. I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, Budiansky needed to, like, clear the decks or whatever, because, I mean, after this, he still has to introduce Micromasters. Like, he still has to, you know, introduce a whole shit ton of other guys. But, like, as the comic would wear on and, like, even in Furman with the UK, they would just, like, sort of, like, if they needed a character and they hadn't been shown up for a while, it would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he died fighting Starscream, even though he was, if he wasn't in this issue, like, even though, like... It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like all those guys like died fighting Starscream. That's like that's that's where they've been. Hashtag fake news. Fake news. Yeah. What? Like, I I know, like, there's a Furman issue, like probably 10 issues on where it's like, uh, you know, that issue where Optimus is like hand wringing Optimus and he's like crying about Ratchet or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like there's all these like screens where it's like, oh, Perceptor is deactivated, like Power Glide is deactivated, Prowl is deactivated. And I'm like, when did that happen? Like, and I guess it's like all supposed to be like the underbase, like, you know, they all die. I mean, I guess I guess their their screwball argument, which I said was BS, is I mean, that one splash page where Perceptor and all those guys are shot out into space, you know, is is the the money shot I suppose you could point to where everybody and their brother got deactivated in that one splash page. But to me, I'm just kind of like, dude, so what? They 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 Transformers don't asphyxiate, like, you know, like I mean, if it was if 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 this was like you know 
a superhero thing or a legion of superheroes thing or something where it's like organic people got blown out of a spaceship then i'd be like oh okay well that that kind of makes sense right like because you're kind of like oh holy crap they blew up the whole the whole click con ship or whatever crimes like uh uh, Perceptor was trying to solve the conundrum of the parallel lines that weren't really parallel lines, and he burned out his own mind. Right, right. That's like what? But yeah, I mean, like, despite you know, people can criticize shit, and but like, I I still have a lot of fondness for this. Like, this this is an enjoyable story. I mean, it does yeah. it does work well. Um, I I think th- this is one of those unique things where I I think. You could probably appreciate each individual issue on its own, but when you read them together, then you know it's it's kind of gives you a fun big picture of of uh, you know so, somewhat of a saga, you know, like like type thing. So it's not you know d- to me this is definitely not something that's quote unquote written for the trade, but but you do get a nice sense of appreciation and fulfillment when you read all four chapters in order all at once but i mean if you were if you were picking this up randomly and you read one issue over the other like i think each of those issues still tell a fairly complete story so i i I don't think there's anything like it's not like you'd be lacking or lost if you hadn't read all four issues but at the same time i you know i read this this morning you know and it's it's not a it's not a breezy read or a light read or anything like that, but it's also it's not it's not super dense either, right? I mean, it's just it's it's entertaining, it's fun. Um, I, I you know I I think like you said, it, there is some attempt at course correction where it's trying to follow some of the more familiar tropes from the the Sunbow cartoons, whereas it, but it's also still kind of keeping in line with the previous Marvel Comics continuity that that Budiansky sort of set up. There's some new new toys, new characters that get introduced. I don't know if that's, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it's nice that the Seacons got almost a, a sole issue dedicated to their introduction. Before you know, they I, were wiped out. Yeah. Before they were wiped out. I mean, I, I don't know that I, I think so much of the, uh, what is it, the, the trigger bots and trigger cons. But, I mean, I, I thought the flashback aspect was fun. It was fun to see Megatron and Prime again. Um, and then one, once you get into this whole, you know, rival fusion underbase thing with the, the characters all pairing off, I mean, th- I think issue 50 is what turns it into something that's the most epic because it, it becomes this sort of crisis level event, you know, where you've got legions of characters that you're following. But, you know, there's there's some kind of universe ending thing that's bringing them all together. So and and I think the doubt you have about Optimus Prime, like, you know, it's like they turn that on its head and, and, and everything he was doing makes sense, you know? So it's like, I, I, I don't feel uh, like there was any aspect of this plot that didn't work for me. Like, but by the time all was said and done, I, I thought for the most part, like it was just fun, entertaining and enjoyable. I mean, I, you know, like we can have our nerdy, Transformers nitpicks and quibbles over whether everybody died or some people died or nobody died and that whole kind of thing. Um, but I mean, it, it, that that's kind of irrelevant to my enjoyment of the story. It doesn't it doesn't really matter whether people died or they didn't die or they were just offline. Then they can be reactivated later. Like it, it, to me, overall, regardless of where you stand on that. Like I was 
you know, th this story in and of itself is still pretty entertaining. I, I think maybe this would have been a good note for Budiansky to go out on rather than like wrestling MicroMasters, but yeah, you know, whatever. You know, uh huh. I, I feel bad for, uh, well, I don't feel bad, but I'm, you might. Like, I feel bad for Slingshot in this issue because it's uh, like, yeah, uh, it's fucking owned like four times in a row. Like, it's like he not only did the other, he's not with the aerial bots when they find like Buster in the Arctic, probably because he was too slow to keep up with them or whatever. But like, you know, he immediately gets shot by Astro Train when the Decepticons show up. Then he transforms and is on the next page shot down by like Buzzsaw, like in, in midair. And then like Starscream like blows him away like later in the issue. Buzzsaw, the fucking Wolverine of uh, the Decepticons or whatever. Uh -huh. Ridiculous, ridiculous fucking fan. Buzzsaw's the man. The bird. Omega Supreme. Look Yeah, okay, well, uh, I think that's uh, that's all we've got to say about the Underbase saga, but uh, why don't you do our usual uh, thingamajig? If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes for Transformers Tuesdays, you can go on over to the fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes there. We are also on all kinds of streaming platforms, so you can check us out on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets, and listens that we receive. Thanks, Derek. And this is Mike, uh, cosmically powered Mike, signing off. This is Derek, Derek WC... Uh, I cannot bring my dad bot to Club Con. Signing off. <laughs> uh, no one can stop this podcast, least of all Earthlings. Exactly. Stupid Earthlings, why are you still listening? surprised that uh Budiansky had it in him to kill blaster off or at least like take blaster out but see is is blaster dead well he got a Just, hole blown in him at least i mean he, he did get a maybe he thought he was gonna bring blaster back eventually because he got the follow-up panel yeah i guess I, I don't think they knew about action I mean, masters yet yeah they, they probably didn't know about action masters yet but i was trying to think like that i guess that's the next time you would have seen blaster is as an action master right yeah, reading reading these issues, it's I kind of like the 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 new blaster ha obviously has like a cartoon styled face, but I kind of want like a Marvel comic slash toy like face mm. for him now, just so he can yeah. be like you know Budiansky blaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though like you know Death Battle is so like you know <laughs> Batman gets punched through a brick wall and he's like up and fighting again, so it's like you know I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> Totally fine. It's a good thing I brought my anti being punched through a brick a wall. Brick wall spray. Fucking <laughs> 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 stupid.